A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now it's been reported by the HSC that surgeons will now be able to carry out some non-emergency operations that were suspended because of the pandemic. Dumped data on this and other COVID-19 related issues. I'm joined by Dr Nick Flynn of mycorkgp.ie. Good morning to you Nick. Good morning. And, and you are welcome. Now, before COVID-19, Nick, we had a crisis in the health system with very long waiting lists. How much longer are those waiting lists now? Uh, they're significantly longer, Patricia. And uh, from talking to my colleagues who are based in the hospitals, um, I think that unfortunately uh, we're going to see waiting lists increase in the short term. Um, and we're going to see new ways of work and it looks like the, the capacity of the hospitals is going to be decreased for quite some time. So we heard Paul Reid at the weekend saying that while uh, the hospitals will revert to, to non-COVID care, that they're still retaining 20% their capacity uh, in the hospital system uh, to, to allow for a surge should it happen. And that's but a the, sensible move. I beg your pardon? That's a sensible move, you, you would oh, yes. say. Yeah, yeah no, 100%. But the other thing that we're going to see is that the turnaround time with patients having procedures in hospital is going to be much decreased. So the, the landscape is going to change. Thankfully, we're not going to have trolleys in, in A&E anymore. That will just be not t- tolerated, be unsafe. Uh, but the system for getting patients in and out of, of operating theatres where maybe there was a, a waiting area, there was a recovery area, and there might have been some crossover of staff and maybe patients passing in corridors. I think that we'll, we'll, we'll find that those systems will be changed and it'll mean that the capacity or the output of the operating theatres will be decreased. And it's what, cancer patients and patients with cardio issues? Yeah, all, all, all operations. I think that where a theatre may have been able to do say, 10 operations today in the past, we now might be looking at six. I, wow. I think that, 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 that the, the workflows are just going to be slower. And we're going to see that across all sectors of society, from, you know, my, from general practice through manufacturing, through, you know, retail and, and restaurants. OK, but uh, at least there's there's a start this is this is start, starting, so that that has to be welcomed. Now you mentioned uh, Paul Reid saying that the hospital capacity must be be kept at eighty percent. Paul Reid also uh, said yesterday that our coronavirus testing system is among the best in Europe. I, I see a piece, uh, an interview with you in the paper. You would disagree that our testing system is among the best in Europe. Well, I think it depends on, on what parameters you're using to measure it, 
we certainly have been testing lots of uh, people and our per capita testing uh, compared as well with other countries. But a testing system to be efficient needs, or to be effective, needs a couple of things. It needs capacity. So we're building towards 100,000 tests per week. So we're building towards capacity. But it needs to be efficient and it needs to be fast also. So we need to have tests turn around in 24 hours. We need, we need to have, like, from the referral to the sampling to the lab testing to the results being relayed to the patient and to the GP and the contact tracing. We need all those five steps needs to happen within three days, really. And if it goes beyond that, we're really going to miss out on the opportunity to, to isolate the virus and to stop it spreading. The contact tracing seems to be a bit of an issue. They, they really don't seem to be on top of that. Yeah, that, that would seem to be the case. Look, If you look at what's happened over the last six or eight weeks, we've had lockdown, which is basically mass isolation. And we tend to think of that, that the people are isolated and we're isolated from each, from each other, which of course we are. But really what that has been doing, it's been isolating the virus. It's been a method of stopping the virus spreading from one person to another. So what we need to happen now, because we can't stay in lockdown, we can't stay in mass isolation for, for, for any longer. You know, it's bad for the economy, it's going to be bad for our physical and mental health as time goes on. So what we need now is we, we, we need an efficient and nuanced uh, testing system that works quickly, but also then that is followed on in real time by contact tracing. And that contact tracing means that we need to be able to identify who has been in con- contact with an unknown case. We need to isolate that person, but we also need to test them. So the contacts need to be tested as well. And that and that then will be will allow us to do a, a very bespoke isolation of the virus. Because what we've done with lockdown in the last six or eight weeks has been a, a, a very broad brush. Isolate everybody. We don't know where the virus is. So the only way of stopping and spreading it is to stop everybody meeting. But if we can get this test, trace, isolate system up and running, get it done quickly, we can then identify where the virus is and we can isolate the people who are at risk and, and leave everybody else to go about the business. Are you fearful about the lifting of restrictions from next Monday? Um, well, when you look at the... I suppose that the activity around last weekend uh, throughout the country, uh, the city and the county in Cork was very visible. That that people, I think people are dent their tether, and and they really have decided that they're going to loosen their own restrictions. Unfortunately, so I think that we we, we will see uh, come next week. We will, we will see that famous reproductive number, uh, which is the the number of people that an infected person infects which is now less than one, about 0.5, uh, we will see that rise again. And so if we were to think back to before lockdown, when all we had was we'd a ban on mask gatherings, we'd social distancing, we'd cough etiquette, and we'd hand washing. So that's, they, were, they were the tools we had before lockdown. And even with those, we had a reproductive number of 2.5. It had decreased with those that measures from four and a half a few weeks before that. Mm. But it was still running at 2.5 before lockdown. Uh, now, after six weeks, seven weeks of lockdown, we're down to 0.5. But I think you can be sure that that number is going to increase again.
Yeah, and and I think you're right. When there is definitely has been evidence of people just, as you say, maybe just getting sick and tired of the restrictions. And I mean, even to hear uh, Tony Houlihan with that uh, survey, the Department of Health survey, you know, 43% of the country thinking the worst is behind us. I mean, that's worrying. That is very worrying. And I, and I think if you, if you reflect on the fact that best guesstimates are that maybe 10 or 15% of the country may have been infected by this coronavirus, and that we're not really sure how much immunity those 10 or 15% will have, but it's likely they have some protection. But the other 85% still have no protection to this virus. So that, like, this is still spread exponentially. It's still a very contagious virus. And so it very easily, if people lose their enthusiasm for the social distancing, the hand washing, the cough etiquette, and currently the lockdown, we could, we could see exponential spread again. And you can see that in Paul, in, in Paul Reed's narrative that they're, they're, they're keeping 20% capacity in the hospital mm. system, three for a potential surge. You heard Tony Hoolan last night, night saying that he, you know, he was basically disappointed that 43% of people think the worst ahead of us are behind us. Because it certainly is uh, a potential for the worst to be ahead. And, I, and we also have to look carefully to outside of Ireland, to other countries who are lifting their lockdown and trying to get back to normal. I mean, worrying reports coming out of South Korea and uh, China with fresh surges of coronavirus cases. There's nothing to say we're, going to, we're, we're not going to follow suit. No, I, I think we can expect to follow suit, Patricia. Uh, I think we can expect that, that these are our, our best couple of weeks because we've had this like very drastic mass isolation of, of, of all of society, with all businesses basically closed, that's not going to be able to continue. It's just not. It's not going to be possible. And as people start to mix again, this virus will will spread and, and, and it will spread again. So that's why it's important that for the last week of lockdown, that everybody sticks to the rules, they avoid unnecessary journeys, stay at home, you stick to the exercise exercise rules. And then as the phases are introduced, that we still stick to the rules for those phases. Because if we don't, we will see the virus spreading, we will see hospital emissions increase, we'll see ICU occupancy increase, and we'll also see, unfortunately, mortality increase. Um, and, I, and I think there's, there's, a, there's a one statistic that, that we might start to watch. So up until now, those three items have been the, the really statistics that we've been hanging on for every day, how many new cases, how many deaths, how many people are in ICU. But the new statistic I think people should watch is the mode of transmission. And they break that down into three. They break it into community transmission, to contact of a known case, and to travel related. And community transmission is really interesting because it basically means that the person who was infected, there is no idea of how they got infected. So it's an unknown infection. Tony Hooligan called it last night a wild infection. Mm. So so if the test trace and isolate system works correctly, a testing and our contact tracing, we should see that community transmission percentage decrease and the percentage of contact with a known case increase. And I think that would be a metric that the test trace isolate system is up fit for purpose. 
Uh, question for Dr. Nick James in Cantork. If a person tested positive for COVID-19 uh, three weeks ago and is OK now and symptoms have, have improved and they were tested again today, would they show a positive or a negative result? It's a good question and they should show negative, but it's still possible that they might show positive. They might show positive for two reasons. One, they may have the, the test that we have at the moment is a PCR test. So it, 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 it detects the genetic material from the virus, and even though your 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 infection is resolved, you may still have some dead virus on the nasal pharynx. So you could you could get a false positive from a previous infection. But also, some people the, the fourteen days is the normal course. For some people, it will be longer. Okay, and somebody else is asking about nursing homes. While testing is completed now in all nursing homes, will residents and staff of nursing homes have to be tested again in the future? Yeah, that's without doubt. Um, and that's the whole, uh, I suppose, rationale of the testing system of increasing the capacity and the efficiency and the speed of the system will be that if there's a staff member in a nursing home or if there's a resident in a nursing home who who is confirmed as a case, well, then all the contacts uh, will, 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 will be checked again. And I think that will be the, all the residents and all the staff I think that that's going to be part of the way we deal with this, this virus over the coming months. Yeah, and I know on one of the lifting, I just can't remember off the top of my head which phase it is, people will be allowed to visit loved ones in nursing homes and many people are desperate to do that because lo- nursing homes have been in lockdown since the start of March. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that there's a couple of facets to that. I think one the same way as visiting nursing homes, visiting people in hospitals, you know, going to the shops, going to, going to work. That there needs to be a safe way of doing it. So that needs to be, we need to respect physical distancing where it's possible. We need to maintain hand hygiene, we need not touch our faces. You know, we need to be cognizant of the fact that if we have symptoms, that we isolate and report it, report it and get tested. But also, it needs mass testing of the population. So we need to, like there needs to come a stage where nearly everybody in the country has been tested and, and, and the conversation we're having is when was your last test? Yeah. So that's, that's where we need to get to. And if somebody's had a non-detected test, they have no symptoms, they respect the rules around social distancing, hand washing, well then this should, it should be possible to develop systems where, where people can visit loved ones in nursing homes. Okay, and lots of questions in about the wearing of masks and will, does Dr Nick think it's going, they're going to make it mandatory? I mean, anything, anything I've been reading, I think it's going to be suggested people wear masks, but they don't seem to be pushing for the mandatory wearing of masks while out in public. What's your view on the wearing of face masks? Uh, well, my view on the wearing of face masks is that the intuitively, and I think it will pan out to be shown, that the wearing of face masks limits the spread. So if you think about it, the source of this, main source of this, this virus is through uh, cough and nasal droplets. So if you if you cover the nose of a person, well then you're limiting the spread of that. So 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 face coverings certainly uh, can be helpful in the same way as hand washing and and physical distancing can be helpful. So face coverings can can be helpful in limiting the spread. I suppose the mantra for face coverings is that my mask protects you and your mask protects me. Yeah. And it's important to remember 
that two days before an infected person becomes symptomatic, they're shedding the virus. So, it's, so we can't wait until somebody is symptomatic testing from a mask. We should consider all wearing a mask in, in public places. Now, it doesn't have to be when you're outside walking because it's a very low risk. But I think it will give us guidance at some stage on situations where physical distance can't be maintained. So it might be public transport. It might be a workplace. Inside in a shop. It might be the shop, exactly. And that mask wearing will be recommended for for those situations. It might not be compulsory, but it will be recommended. I I think one of the things that's happening is that the, the, the Irish public are observing internationally what's happening. And you can see countries like Germany and South Korea and France and Japan and the CDC in the, in the States are adopting masks. And the Irish public have started to adopt masks. So I see people out in the shops wearing masks. Loads, lo- lo- lots of people. Why, but why do you think the Department of Health are slow to make it mandatory? I think that, that, that there's two reasons, I think. I think one, that they'd like to see the science behind this. And I think that that's a bit um, unfortunate because when they say there's a lack of scientific evidence, that doesn't mean that there's a lack of, of scientific evidence of benefit. They just say there's a lack of scientific evidence. So, so we could have benefit, we could have harm. But intuitively, this would seem to be a beneficial um, measure. It's been adopted in other, other countries. Uh, and, 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 and therefore, I think they, they, they should consider it. But if you look, if you look at... I suppose their main concern maybe that masks are not worn correctly. And then when you consider that people are wearing masks anyway, I think that they should issue some guidance mm. on how to safely use masks. So your nose shouldn't be sticking out. It shouldn't be on your forehead. It shouldn't be around your neck. It should be put on your your face. The, the, the face covering should cover your nose and your mouth, tied from behind the ears or behind your head. And that's the only place you should touch the mask. And you leave uh, it in place uh, until you're removing it. Exactly. The amount of people I see out and about, Nick, fiddling with theirs and pulling it up and down, it's crazy. But, that, but I think that's why there's some, some, some official guidance needed on it. We introduced Ask for All in our own practice. And for the first week, there was lots of face touching. But very quickly, people got into the routine that you're not supposed to touch your face. You put it on, you leave it on, and then when it's time to take it off, you take it off from behind. Okay. All right, we'll talk again, uh, Nick. In the meantime, thank you for that. Always a pleasure to have you on, on the programme and stay safe. Good morning to you. That is uh, Dr. Nick Flynn of mycorkgp.ie. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.